Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome. My name is David Feingold, and I'll be your host for this new podcast, The Future of Higher Education. For the last 35 years, I've had the great pleasure to study and work with leaders in higher education and all parts of education and training systems around the world. This has given me the chance to to visit over 50 different countries including over 50 cities in China uh, and most of the large cities in India. I've had a chance to work on different aspects of skill development systems from apprenticeship systems to K through 12 systems to looking at and working with leaders of colleges and universities around the world. And I can say that in that more than three decades of work, I've never witnessed or experienced a time like we're living through today, uh, given the extent of the disruption in the higher ed sector. I experienced this firsthand uh, with our leadership team at Chatham University, where I'm based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, an institution that has uh, prided itself um, on innovation and being able to do uh, more with less um, and coming up with new ways to keep the institution thriving in a really difficult competitive environment. But the challenges that we and other higher ed leaders are facing today are are truly gargantuan. So we have, of course, the, the pandemic, which is still playing out in the U.S. and around the world, which has made for a very difficult uh, year. But that comes on top of a set of longer-term destabilizing trends that are really uh, calling into question many of the business models in higher ed. There are the demographic trends, the falling number of um, high school graduates, which are only going to intensify in the latter part of the 2020s. Uh, There's the rise in discount rates and competition on price that we're seeing, particularly among uh, less selective institutions. There's been the long-term decline in public funding of higher education, um, which we've seen over the last several decades that has uh, put greater strain on the budgets of colleges and universities across the U.S. And then there's been the growth of mega universities and online education, whether free offerings like MOOCs or the entrance of new competitors, major global corporations like Google entering higher ed, all of these forces coming together to create a really intensified competitive environment and creating new challenges for institutions. Part of what we're seeing is is a growth in the number of institutions who are failing and more mergers and acquisitions uh, and strategic partnerships among institutions as they look for new ways to both uh, save costs um, and enhance the offerings for their students. So with all of that disruption in place, um, 
it obviously is creating great challenges, but in any time of great disruption, there are also huge opportunities for innovative leaders and institutions uh, to not just continue to survive, but actually to thrive and pioneer new approaches that take advantage of these changes and trends and enable their institutions to move to greater heights. And so what we're going to be doing um, over the coming months is having a chance to talk to the leaders of institutions that have been successful in these difficult times. And those are going to take several different varieties. So the first will be focusing on leaders who have been able to bring about major transformations in the fortunes of their institutions, taking them to whole new levels of success. We'll look at and have a chance to, to learn from some of the leaders of the, some of the largest institutions in the country. Uh, people like John Sexton, who pioneered uh, the world's first global network university uh, in his tenure at New York University. We'll talk with Michael Crow, uh, the pioneering later leader of Arizona State University, who over the last two decades has taken that from a former teacher's college and regional uh, university to one of the world's uh, most successful major research universities in what he calls the New American University, an institution that defines itself not by how selective it is and how many it rejects, but rather by how many uh, students it can serve and its overall impact on the state and the country in which it's located. We'll also talk with leaders who've brought about similar transformations in much smaller institutions. Uh, we'll talk with Esther Barazzoni, my predecessor at Chatham, who arrived in the early 1990s when the institution was failing, selling off uh, properties each year just to pay the bills, and managed to transform it from a small uh, women's-only undergraduate college of fewer than 600 students to where it stands today as a, a, a national university uh, with 2,400 students uh, in an equal mix of graduate and uh, undergraduate programs, as well as fully online degrees, and uh, has gone from one to three campuses. And we'll talk about that transformational journey. We'll speak with Jeff Docking, who Jeff Docking, who is the president at Adrian College in Michigan. Um, Jeff has had a uh, amazing tenure there, and we'll talk to him about not one, but two transformations. First, the huge growth and success he's brought about for Adrian through the admissions growth model, particularly through the use of Division Three athletics to attract students to Adrian, and the, the growth and increase in quality um, at the institution that that's propelled. And then we'll talk to him about the second wave of innovation, the low-cost models consortium, which he launched, um, which is not just helping Adrian, but other small private colleges and universities uh, to share resources and innovate um, and connect with some of the world's leading employers. And we'll also have a chance to talk with people like Paul LeBlanc at Southern New Hampshire University, who took over one of those smaller uh, institutions like Adrian and Chatham and managed to transform Southern New Hampshire University into one of the largest uh, universities in the U.S., offering fully online and competency-based degrees, as well as its uh, traditional on-campus programs in New Hampshire. So a great chance to learn from transformational leaders and what they have done to 
dramatically improve the fate of their institutions. We'll also have a chance to talk with pioneers who've come up with new models of higher education uh, and pioneer those new institutions. People like Rick Miller, the founding president of Olin College of Engineering, which set out to create a new model of undergraduate engineering education in the U.S., a model that has been so successful that more than 800 colleges and universities from across the U.S. and around the world have come to study it, um, and one that has gone from a startup in 2002 to now one of the top-ranked undergraduate engineering programs in the U.S. We'll also have a chance to talk with Shira Sheff, who created the University of the People uh, an extremely innovative model that use a vo- uses a volunteer workforce to provide online degrees for uh, many of the world's most talented but but most deprived populations, those who otherwise would not have access to any form of higher education, including refugees around the world and, and some of the poorest students in the world in Africa and other countries who are using uh, the University of the People as a way to gain access to higher ed and transform not just their lives, but the lives of their families. We'll have a chance to talk with Ben Nelson, has set up Minerva with an idea of creating a college that can match the quality and learning impacts of the Ivy League, but one which has no true campus, but rather has their students studying around the world and getting the benefits of that uh, as part of a truly new model of delivering um, a, a college degree. We'll also have a chance to talk with folks who have gone through often difficult but in many cases, very successful processes of looking at strategic alliances, mergers, and other forms of institutional cooperation that enable their institutions to continue their mission, and in some cases to enhance that mission while uh, integrating the institution into others. So we'll talk with David Chard of Wheelock College and understand and learn the lessons from his new book describing their integration with Boston University. We'll have a chance to talk with Tom O'Reilly from Pine Manor College, who led his institution's integration into Boston College. I think this is going to be a growing trend in higher ed over the coming years. And so as we see that, we'll have a chance to talk with others who have gone through this trend and learn the lessons from what I think will be a, a, a rapidly growing trend Uh, as a way for institutions to save money, offer more to students, and continue uh, their historic missions. Finally, we'll have a chance to learn from some national experts in higher education who have published new books um, uh, that share some of their wisdom. People like Nathan Graw, whose first book, documenting the demographic decline in high school graduates across the U.S. and then breaking that down by region and type of institution has had a huge impact in folks' strategies over the last few years. We'll talk to him about his new book, The Agile College, and and the strategies that it lays out to help institutions adapt to the trends that he documents. We'll also have a chance to talk with Mary Marcy about her book, The Small College Imperative, uh, that lays out the the range of strategies that smaller institutions have been using uh, to come up with a distinctive value proposition for students that is enabling them to succeed 
in this challenging environment. And there'll, as you'll see, be some overlap among these different types of experts we're talking to, because many of the college presidents and university presidents have also written books sharing their wisdom. So we'll have a chance to ask them about that too. Now, I warn you in advance that uh, some of these podcasts are going to be fairly long form, more than you might used to be having in interviews, because I found that one of the characteristics of successful leaders in higher ed is they tend to be great storytellers. And so I hope that you, like I have found, will find their life stories and the, the journeys that they had in leading their institutions, both informative and entertaining. Um, but if you want it in a shorter form, I will be uh, synthesizing the results of these interviews into a book on transformational leaders in higher ed that I hope will come out um, uh, after uh, the first release of, of the interviews from, from the podcast. Well, thank you very much for joining me and for listening, and I look forward uh, uh, to the discussions and being able to share this with you and encourage all of you um, who are listening to please give me feedback so I can continue to improve this. And if you have other leaders to suggest that I should interview and include in the podcast, please to send those along to me. Thanks for, for, for listening.